Welcome to the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, where we explore the hottest topics in cyber marketing, interview experts, and help you become a better cybersecurity marketer. Hello and welcome to another episode of Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing. I'm one of your hosts, Gianna Whitver, here with my amazing co-host, Maria Velasquez. And today we have a wonderful, amazing, brilliant guest on. We are so excited to have Corinne Amai, Head of Marketing at Tromso. So before we get started, uh, Corinne, what is Tromso and what does Tromso do? Yeah, absolutely. So we're an ASPM solution that accelerates risk remediation from code to cloud. You know, that's probably a lot of jargon and a lot of tried to condense it into a tagline, um, but essentially we are remediating uh, vulnerabilities from code to cloud. And that's what we do. And there's a whole slew of components under that solution that we squarely fit uh, in the AppSec and ProdSec space. Very cool. AppSec is hot. It is. Yes. I think today's episode, we kind of want to focus on an overarching topic of, it's a career related topic. It is the individual contributor versus growing and being, you know, head of marketing in a career and the differences between the roles, as well as the acceptance of the fact that it's okay if you want to stay as an individual contributor. So Corinne, like we talked about this on our prep call, but you've been both, you've been head of marketing and an individual contributor. What are some reasons and what are some things that pull at the heart that make you say, Hey, it's okay to be an individual contributor when usually marketing leader also wants to grow their team up and through the levels too. Absolutely. And I think it falls to each individual person and what their goals are and being able to iterate on those goals over time. So as you mentioned, I've been an IC for most of my career and just uh, about 20 months ago, stepped into kind of this head of marketing role for Tromso. When I originally joined, it was to be an IC, right? We were a very, very small startup early stage. I was the fourth employee at Tromso. So we were very young, but what they wanted to do was approach marketing differently. And so we've done that in the past 20 months. But what that means is I was also serving as the head of marketing. Uh, So wearing a lot of different hats, learning a lot about different facets of marketing, which was phenomenal, right? It gives you a healthy appreciation for what your coworkers do. And I think that that's important for all of us in our journeys is to really have appreciation for every piece of marketing that makes this engine run. But I think what I've realized over the past 20 months is that I enjoy being an IC and I love it. Not that I don't want to be part of a larger team, not that I don't want to contribute to that larger vision, but just that being the head of marketing is a lot. It's a lot of hats to wear, especially at an early stage startup. It's a lot of things that maybe we don't see, right? Our marketing leaders that, you know, have worked for some really phenomenal human beings, right? I've worked for Danelle Al over at Order and Kelsey LaBelle at Domain Tools and some other folks that are just phenomenal marketing leaders that I think maybe tackle all of those things with grace and do it so well that you don't see a lot of the stuff that they do on a daily basis that is uh, grueling, if you will. So I think that through this journey of the last 20 months, I've realized that my passion is really in being an IC and allowing the people that flourish in the roles of head of marketing or VP of marketing or CMO to do that because there are phenomenal people out there that do it. So Corinne, 
You mentioned you when you joined Tromso that you wanted to address marketing differently. Tell us about how different that is. So I think uh, this is a topic of conversation that myself and Ross over, he's the head of product over at Lima Charlie. So I'm sure you've seen a bunch on, on LinkedIn from him. He writes a ton. I think also Jen Leggio over, uh, she's a CMO over Netography. She just posted this late last week, I think, a post about how cybersecurity marketing has to change and there's a pivot there. And 20 months ago when I joined Tromso, myself and our CEO, who's also a former CISO and our founder, we had a long conversation, weeks of discussing before I even joined about how we have to change the way in which we market on the cybersecurity side specifically. And we have to make sure that that pivot happens fairly soon. I know that there's a lot of things and I'm not naive to them, right? When you take on VC funding, when you are a publicly traded company, when you have a board that has certain expectations, right? You have to meet those as a marketing leader, right? There are numbers <laughs> that you have to get to, but I fundamentally believe that there's a better way to do it today. I think that the pandemic outside of that, we were able to be quickly shown that uh, the traditional paths of marketing that we've been taking for the past couple of decades are not working, right? We overwhelmed people with webinars and Zoom meetings and just too much contact. And we have to get away from the coldness of how we treat relationships. If we want them to be a valued customer and partner in our journey as a company, we have to view them as that and bring them in. And I think with influencer relations. So that's really my passion is... How do you, from top to bottom, influence that purchasing decision or that partnership decision on the top side or advocate for bringing more people or more resources onto your company, right? It has to be a fundamental shift in how your business operates as well as how your marketing team advocates for your company, right? And that goes down to sales too, right? That's the entire go-to-market motion. It's not just marketing. So... I view things a little bit differently than I think some folks do. And I realize that like that's a dreamer or an idealist <laughs> view of things and that there's a lot of uh, caveats to that for a lot of organizations. But we've seen things like on Reddit last week, right, popped up the good vendors, the bad vendors and so in cybersecurity, right? So we saw that pop out. And so you were crossing your fingers if you were uh, on, uh, on that bad list to not be listed on that bad list. But there's things like that. We see it weekly, right? CISOs complaining about how they're contacted, how they're communicated to and from, right? All of those things are important indicators for us to listen to. We can no longer kind of take this funnel and say, if we pour a bunch in at the top, as long as we get to that ARR number at the bottom, then we're good to go. And that we've hit our goals. We're turning a blind eye to the fundamental pieces that are shifting, which is people are calling for a shift in how we communicate to them. And I think it's so important to listen to it's an uphill battle and I don't think we'll see a shift. Ross and I were actually talking about this last week and we're going to release a blog post on it. I don't think we'll see that shift for about 10 years, which is heartbreaking, but I'm hopeful that we can start to make that, uh, especially with this society, right? Gosh, 10 years, that's a long time. And, uh, you know, it, you're the dreamer in all of this, right? In this revolution of change. But I think all disruptors start as dreamers. And as long as we truly believe in the mission, it can happen. But gosh, I was hoping you would say a lot less than 10 years. Let's talk to Ross. Let's see if we can uh, 
<laughs> yeah, I think a lot of those external sources that push us towards like the very traditional marketing or traditional funnel, right? I think those things have to shift, but those are sometimes out of our control, right? Their boards, their VCs, their uh, PE, all of those things that we owe them with what they've invested in us, right? We do. And I know that that's a huge responsibility for founders and for boards, but also we owe it to the people that are purchasing our product and making us successful as companies, right? So I'm hoping it's faster than 10 years, but that would be my guess is that in 10 years time, we we will see a a great shift uh, in cybersecurity marketing. And now for another content tip from our partner, Content Workshop, David. What do you say to people who think that storytelling in cybersecurity is too hard to do? I tell them that storytelling is industry agnostic. Humans are biologically hardwired to think, remember, and relate in the form of story. It's why we're able to binge a new show for eight hours a night. It's also why the best commercials don't feel like commercials. A good story, they say in advertising, is truth well told. No matter your industry, service, or product, there are endless ways to tell your story. All you need is a hero, a goal, and an obstacle. And we help cybersecurity companies achieve that. Thanks, David. Learn more about Content Workshop storytelling services for cybersecurity companies at contentworkshop.com. Marie and I and lots of members of the society have that same goal of being able to progress the industry forward, of progressing marketing forward beyond these old and dated tactics and beyond these tactics that are more of a brute force sort of tactics and don't take into consideration relationships like you were saying or a good prospect experience, which I think is really important in our industry. Can you talk about maybe some of the things or ideas or strategies you have seen be successful around more of this softer approach. You said cybersecurity influencing. Tell us a little more about that. What are some things that have worked or not worked or blown your mind? Yeah, absolutely. So I think you see things that kind of in this new wave of thinking, right? So you see things like the Information Security Content Creators Guild popping up, which has wonderful people like Vulnerable Media, TLDR Set, Cloud Security Podcast, just to name like three of the many that are in that guild. Those are all either current or former practitioners that are creating value-based content for an audience and allowing vendors that they trust, right? They do vendors to make sure that that content they're providing an audience is building that influence, right? So it's a specific topic area. It's a specific thing that needs to be tackled in our industry of information security or cybersecurity. And then past that, it's when you create a piece of content out of your organization, what is the value add to the actual person reading it or consuming it, right? A lot of us go through the motions and I'm guilty of this too, right? You go through the motions of, I need a white paper that's gated so that I can get leads, so that I can meet my goals, so that I can aid sales and pipeline build, so that I can hit our ARR numbers, right? We're all guilty of it and it's it's not a bad thing, Right. But what value did it add to the person that downloaded it? How much time did they spend actually reading it? Did they walk away learning more? Was it technical enough for the audience that you're going after? Or was it just fluff, 
right? I think oftentimes we're accused of, of creating a lot of marketing fluff in the industry. And I am guilty of that too, right? I've created buyer's guides and white papers that I set out and I can write in a half a day and then we publish it. But did it provide value, right? Did we take in the internal sources? We ask a lot of the people that are purchasing our products and our solutions, but are we putting in the same time and the same thoughtfulness and carefulness? And when we create content, are we making sure that the people in marketing are learning about the products they're selling, right? I think a great example of this is a company we partner with, Endor Labs. Their CEO has made it a mandate that all of their people, including the folks on marketing, doing demand gen, the folks doing events, have to be able to present their product in a demo too, right? So not only are you holding engineering and product accountable for how easy or good your UX is to demo, but you're holding everyone that works at that company accountable for being able to tell the same message, right? So that's everything from your product marketer who helped craft that message with AR folks and your product team and your engineering team to the folks that don't actually touch that product on a daily basis, right? And I think that fundamental shift in how we function as vendors will shift how we think about content. And so it's little things like that that I think will help. So obviously you have the Information Security Content Creators Guild, you have organizations like Indoor Labs that are implementing fundamental changes, right? And how they go to market. Then you have obviously the Cybersecurity Marketing Society, right? I think a, a couple quarters ago, we did like a panel with the CISOs, right? A series of like, how can we market to you better? And they sat there and they answered all our questions, good and bad. And they were honest. And I think that can we take all of these sources, all of these inputs that we have and make fundamental changes and shifts in how we do it? And so I think one of those big shifts is influencer relations. Can you build relationships as a vendor with folks that are trusted in the industry that are going to be your biggest advocates? Conversations that are happening on Discord and Reddit and Slack. Those communities we're not welcome in. Just like in the Cybersecurity Marketing Society, we don't allow marketing vendors in, right? The same thing happens for cybersecurity vendors in all of these channels. So how do you build that? It takes time. It's not measurable. That's the biggest thing. And you have to have a ton of advocacy and faith that what you're doing is going to fundamentally change it and you have to be willing to wait. And I think that waiting piece is the hardest, right? We're so used to in our personal lives and in work lives, when we do something, we want to see the results of it. We want quantitative results for that. And we're not kind of looking at that qualitative piece waiting for for that to come through. So there's a waiting component, obviously, in community and working with evangelists and influencers. It's not going to be like you get 20 leads the next day because you cut them a check to work with you and started working with them, right? But how have you been measuring the success of this? Because there has to be some through line. There has to be something that you say, hey, we should keep spending money on this. It's a program that we want to run. And I know it works because X. That's the hard part, right? And so you have to be very, very in sync with your SDR team that's triaging these inbound leads, right? Because a lot of this does drive to inbound. So from a goal perspective, it's how do we drive more of that? And it's all of those conversations that are happening at the Information Security Leadership Foundation and their unconference. It's conversations that are on Discord, right? Those threads on Reddit. I'm sure that those companies that were on the good list got a bunch of inbounds. 
but is a question when they're doing discovery during that SDR cycle or BDR cycle. Is that a question that we ask, right? How did you hear about us? Is that on the form? Are we actually digging for finding how they really did hear about us? Because I don't know that a lot of folks, even myself, right? When I used to be in security would say, yeah, I heard about you guys on Discord or, well, we were talking crap about another vendor. And so your name came up as like an alternative, right? I don't know that I would have been that honest during a discovery call, but I think that there are ways to uncover that during the sales cycle, during those conversations. And I think that if that fundamentally exists in your organization on collecting that information and understanding how they got to their purchasing behavior versus measuring it in HubSpot or Marketo and then into Salesforce and saying that that's the link and that's the first touch, second touch, whatever it might be, right? Then I think we can get to a place where we can measure it and we can put it into an influencer thing. It's We did an event, gosh, in September. <laughs> it already seems like a year away, but we did an event in early September that was called Developers and Security Our Friends Day, where we had eight presenters that were all practitioners and it was a free event. We didn't do vendor booths. We didn't do anything that would be like considered, I think, kitschy or a vendor e at a conference. And we just tried to provide value. And out of that, that's more of like a traditional, I guess, in line with that influencer program, but more of a traditional thing, right? People did have to register for the event. But out of that, there were, I think we got five opportunities, five people that were raising their hands and saying, this is something that we were interested in learning more about, right? Our category within how Gartner defines us <laughs> is very new. So there is like a maturity aspect to it. But most of the folks that are raising their hands, it's because they had good quality conversations on site. We had folks from Reddit and Cloudflare and Netflix present. So we had folks that are former practitioners turned into cybersecurity vendors now, like James Wickett and Jim Manico, those folks present. And so it's kind of tying in that influencer relation piece with the traditional marketing piece to make sure that you do still have the things you can report to the board and you can still be accountable for how you work those numbers and how you get to a good ARR number. But marrying those two is really fantastic for our community. You have to go into it wanting to build that community, wanting to provide value and doing the checks and balances along the way that that's still kind of a driving factor. Obviously, the other things can come into to play. To second what you said about capturing referral or attribution data within the sales cycle, I can confirm that that definitely works. I think if you have a good relationship with the SDR team and the SDR leads, and make that as part of the SLA and the process. And with the sales team, any sales team, you have to reiterate and re-re-reiterate all the time and retrain and remind them about some of the important steps to take in that qualifying phase or stage. And yeah, there is opportunity to add that to the notes in Salesforce and just ask, you know, how did you hear about us? So that definitely does work. And then you can, it's a little bit of a manual process, but then you can add to a campaign and just track performance from there. So it works. We have a fantastic, not that I want any of y'all that are listening to siphon this person, but <laughs> we have a fantastic head of SDRs. His name's Nilan, and he does a really fantastic job with himself as well as his team, making sure that we do have those qualitative anecdotes and stuff in Salesforce to make sure that when we go and look at it, we are able to measure it from a marketing perspective. And he's a truly fantastic partner. But I think part of that is to that, like you mentioned, it's reiterating it, but it's also slowing down. I think as marketing and sales teams, we're going so fast at a specific goal that we don't pause and say, hey, could we 
maybe take a day to just kind of review this and take a step back and be thoughtful and methodical about it versus the constant run is number one, exhausting for our teams, but number two, does it make us less thoughtful in how we create content, how we publish that content, how we treat leads, how we nurture those leads, um, all of those things, right? I think every team that I talk to on the marketing side is strapped for time and running at a million miles an hour to try and hit goals that we've set for ourselves quarter over quarter or for the year. But I think sometimes maybe even quarterly, we should just take a pause, a day to just kind of reflect and see where we are and hold kindness for each other, number one, because I think when we run at those goals, sometimes we're all exhausted and maybe frustrated that like pausing for a second can really help us re-level and reset. That makes a lot of sense. There's not enough time. We all here have worked on many marketing teams at cybersecurity companies, and there's just not enough time in the day to do all the things you want to do and prioritize putting in the thought work, the deep work, the chunks of time needed to do really deep stuff. I mean, it doesn't mean that you do bad stuff for every single audience listener listening saying, Hey, I do that. Like, you know, and and ourselves included, right? It's like, go, go, go. But things could be so much better, both from a personal burnout perspective and from an execution and creative perspective. If there was just some time, like you said, Corinne, every quarter to just like, whoo, take a break take a breather and think deeply about what you're actually doing instead of just doing this treadmill rabbit hole, like hamster wheel thing. And what a great opportunity to do that at Cyber Marketing Con. (laughs) It will be in Austin, Texas, December 10th through 13th. Please come and stay the extra days. We have shoulder dates. You can take the opportunity of staying at the hotel for the very discounted rate for an extra three days before or after. Come with your team and decompress, eat some barbecue, and think deeply and greatly about your upcoming year's campaigns and activities. Corinne, back to you. So tell us a little bit, working with influencers, right? It can be intimidating, I think. I see these famous people on the internet and they're security practitioners. It makes them double intimidating because they're both high profile and could be stereotypically grumpy in our experiences, right? So how have you worked with influencers? Give us the secret how-to on uh, on reaching out, on working with influencers. I don't know that there's any secret. I think that It's really that crave from both parties to want to foster a human relationship, in-person relationship, whatever that might be, right? Like inherently as human beings, we want that and we crave that. And so I think that feeding into that. So a great example is at Domain Tools, Kelsey over there, she had this wonderful idea of starting Breaking Badness, which is their podcast talking about all things cyber threat intelligence. I think she's also been a guest on this podcast as well, but it was her vision, right? And at the time, our marketing leader there was willing to give her the runway to start that and to foster that, right? Another program that is not generally related to pipeline built. And it's still going strong today. It was I just saw it on LinkedIn today that it was mentioned by someone in CTI that was saying, these are the best CTI podcasts to listen to. Those things are immeasurable. And those things allow us to connect with people on the influencer side from a podcast perspective. At Tromso, we've done the same. We have the Future of Application Security podcast. Not that I'm advocating for more podcasts because I think we're all tuned into the ones we love, including the Cybersecurity Marketing Society podcast. <laughs> but I think that that's a great way to start fostering those influencers, which is 
calling on people that are experts in a specific topic area, inviting them onto your podcast or inviting them to be one thing we do on our side is we do kind of regional dinners. So uh, upcoming at Global OWASP at the end of this month during Halloween, (laughs) we will be doing a dinner and Jivan Singh from over, uh, he's the director of product security at Twilio, is going to be our curator of conversation during that dinner. And so it's tying in folks that are huge advocates in whatever that might be, if it's IoT security, if it's API security, if it's AppSec, you know, deeply seated in kind of that ASPM side, even though API falls into that, if it's CTI, right, whatever your topic area is for your vendor that you're working for currently, it's tying in all of your existing marketing programs and just being thoughtful about which influencers would love to be part of that. It's also making sure that those influencers that are spending their time coming to your dinner event, curating that conversation are also valued, uh, whatever that means for them, recognition, financially, just making sure that you continue to foster that relationship after the event happens, right? I think because like we were saying earlier, we're running at a bunch of things maintaining those relationships is like maintaining a friendship. You have to make sure that you continue to do it and you continue to foster it and make it grow, whether or not it's still beneficial for your company or not. Look at it as the person that's making that connection versus I'm doing this for my company. And so I think that's the biggest change. The great part is that on the AppSec side, I was fortunate enough early in my career to work for White Hat Security. And I worked under Jeremiah Grossman, who was one of the founders of the company. And I think, Gianna, when we were talking earlier, you were like, oh, that's the White Hat Mafia, right? It kind of is, right? Like we have built a pretty cool group of folks from different departments, different, like we have folks that have worked for large organizations after leaving White Hat. It was a great stepping stone for a lot of folks early in their career. And I credit that solely to Jeremiah's leadership. And I think that from that, we've fostered those relationships. If you kept in contact with those folks, we see each other at every RSA and every Black Hat where folks are going to be. And we do those types of things. So that has come in handy in terms of the influencer piece, right? Those folks have gone on to have large roles, right? You have Aaron Lord, who was at White Hat at one point, and now he's an analyst at Gartner. You have Matt Johansson, who's over at Reddit as their head of software security. You have Jonathan Kuskus, right? Who is now the founder and hacker for Chaotic Good Information Security, right? So a lot of really great folks that came out of there that It's just that organic relationship that you built. If you don't have that, right, which I was fortunate to have, the big piece is going out and creating that influencer list specifically for your company and your niche within cybersecurity, right? So it can't just be everyone's going to (laughs) go go after Brian Krebs, right? It's not really going to work for your company because you need someone who on a daily basis is talking about this niche for inside of cybersecurity. And I even like picking the very, very critical ones. The folks that like to say, this is the way it should be done in this specific area. And this is how, right? Because those folks are willing to raise their hand and say, I want to, I want it to be different and I want to change. And so generally uh, your product or your solution will fit nicely into that conversation somewhere along the lines. But it's having no kind of shame in reaching out cold to these folks on, well, it used to be on Twitter and then now it's more so on Discord or Slack. But yeah, it's having no kind of qualms, I guess, about just reaching out and saying, hey, I'm so-and-so, I'd love to just have a conversation with you about like your viewpoint and starting very small. 
and then building that relationship. But yeah, it takes time and it's not, it's not easy. It's not rewarding from a marketing numbers perspective. It's very rewarding from a personal perspective though, to build those relationships and to have them. Hi there. My name is Sean Madsen and I head up digital strategy at Checkpoint Software. We use Hushly as our primary demand platform. We use it to remove gates, we use it for our landing pages, and we use it for our resource hub. And it has improved our conversion rate by 5x. Maria, do you have any experience in influencer marketing? Gosh, we started doing a lot of that here at NetSpy, going for those creators that you mentioned, right? Like one of them is Ashish at Cloud Security Podcast. We've done a couple of things with him this year. Our friends at Hacker Valley, done a couple of things with them. And that's definitely proved to be the most engaging type of content that we go out there with, just because we do also carefully curate who goes on with them from our side, from the vendor side. We're a pen testing company, and so we have a lot of really, really cool security consultants, some brilliant minds in the company, so we use them. And so the conversation ends up being really, really authentic and just engaging. It really does grab the attention of other practitioners. So yeah, we've done a little bit of that, but we definitely want to do more in the new year, just from a pure influencer perspective, like on the paid side, I've never actually done that. And that would actually be really cool to try something like that. But yeah, you're right. It is hard to find a balance of I'm doing this for leads and opportunities versus I'm doing this just for the pure creation of information for the community (laughs) to help them out. So hopefully we'll be able to find that balance. I love that you're mashing that with like great people internally that are technical, right? I think that's the big piece, right? So like we talked a little bit earlier about the value, like do we bring value in a content perspective? And then so mashing that together with the influencers and making sure that that is a technical conversation, right? Ashish over at Cloud Security Podcast was a practitioner and so is Shilpi, right? From that perspective. And so really bringing them someone from the vendor side that is technical and can have that conversation just makes that piece of content just wildly valuable to our community, right? All right, everyone. If you're looking to generate quality cybersecurity leads and opportunity pipeline for your sales team, webinars are the channel you need to be leveraging. Lead Gen webinars bring you real live audiences in your target ICP with engagement you can measure, something other channels just can't match. Actual Tech an official lead generation partner of the Cybersecurity Marketing Society specializes in fully turnkey cybersecurity webinar programs with CPLs far below what you're used to. Everyone, I have spent a lot of money on webinars and lead generation in the past. And I gotta say, I was really impressed with Actual Tech. I saw the results of those webinars that they've been running for cybersecurity audiences, and I was impressed with the lead quality and the lead quantity. So visit actualtechmedia.com backslash CMS or hit today's show notes for more information. I think it might be time to play our game. I think so. All right, Corinne, this has been really fun. And we love hearing your perspective on influencer marketing and being an IC as opposed to a leader and how that's totally chill and okay. And now we're going to guess if you were neither an IC or a marketing leader, what would you be doing with your life and your career? So the game is Maria and I are going to guess 
what you'd be doing. You're making a face for anyone who's listening audio. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to guess what you'd be doing. And then after we both guess, you pick the winner and then you explain to us what you would be doing. So off the table are things you've already done. You were a security professional, correct? At one point, yeah. Yeah. So we can't say that. So that's off the table. Can't guess that. And then you were also, you're currently a marketer. Were there any other careers, like real careers you've done that we should know about? I did finance for a winery for a little bit. So I guess winery or finance are off the table as well. Oh, okay. Here we go. We're narrowing the list. This makes it more hard for us because now Maria can't guess finance at a a winery and completely win because it actually happened. Okay. So, all right. No finance at a winery, no finance, no winery, no security, all these things in an ITY. And I would guess, Corinne, that you would be a writer. Okay. I like that. Maria. Yeah. I don't know. Corinne, you give me political vibes. And from the perspective of (laughs) you would be a kick-ass campaign manager for, you know, either someone in the Senate or even presidential candidate. So I could see you like running the ship on a campaign. I don't know. Is it that too far off? <laughs> what do you think? What, how did we do? <laughs> I love the idea of being a writer, but I am not very creative by nature. So I... Oh my God, I, how did I lose this? Go ahead, Corinne. Nope. No, go I ahead. Don't, I don't know that either one. I know. I'm so sorry. Uh, I also don't love... <laughs> I love how uh, she's public. just whispering that. I don't love <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, so yeah, I... Ooh. Okay, so I think I'd, I think I'd go with writer over yes. you know, helping a politician. Finally, but, she wins. But that being said, I'm not finally. Creative, so I don't know that my books would sell. I'd be like self-published on Amazon with like two books sold from like my. my <laughs> yeah, so you'd also have to be like a janitor or like work somewhere else. Yeah. So yeah, I, I actually, okay. I'll let you in on a little secret. Ever since I was a little kid, when you know people would be like what do you want to be as an adult? Right. And you know, the answer should be, Oh, I want to be a kind human or I want to be, you know, contributing member of society. Uh, I was, I want to be a grocery bagger. Uh, oh. and so that as a child was my thing. I also love when I go to the grocery store, I love doing it myself. I don't know if that's yes. a whole thing or if it's like, you know, an organization thing or whatever it is, but I love it. So I think that if I was not doing this and there were no other obligations in life, I would be working for a grocery store bagging groceries. That's amazing. It's food Tetris is what it is. It it's is. like, oh my can God. I turn this to the side or will things fall out of it? Can it get crushed? What size is it? Is it round? Right? Oh, wow. This is way too in-depth. Hard stuff first so that you can put the soft stuff on top. Yes. I'm very big on that. My husband's like, what? Oh, Just yeah. put it in the bag. Oh, yeah. No, it's going to get smushed. <laughs> cold stuff altogether so it stays cold longer. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, exactly. I think Trader Joe's would be my chosen vendor that I would go to. But yes, that would be, Love it. be my jam. And it's it's timed also. It's like you got to do it otherwise because there's more coming. There's a little bit of pressure in it, right? Like if they've got a load of groceries and it's just coming down that little bell. I mean, seriously, that sounds like our jobs as marketers. Just things keep coming and we just can't keep up. (laughs) And there is pressure. And then you got to decide what bucket it goes into, like how it gets sent home. Yes. All of these things I think are translatable in terms of skills. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's just like, I feel like I had an epiphany. Honestly, yeah, Maria. the light bulb moment just happened. Are we all going right? to go work for Trader Joe's? 
let's all quit. Let's start a grocery store. But we'd we'd be the baggers. We'd have to hire like some like management and everything. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know that I'd be good at the purchasing piece of that or you know, yeah, the general management piece oh my of that. Gosh, no. Yeah. Like I just buy all snacks. Yeah, it'd be like, how many cans of soup do we need this month? And I'd be like, I don't know, like 10% more than last month? I don't know. There's probably a science to it, I'm sure. <laughs> and Marie, who's worked in restaurants, so has worked in food, is like, yeah, oh my God, you guys, you just, it's like a thing. It's not- That's it. That's it. That's our new venture. Let's talk in a few years if cyber marketing doesn't work out, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Corinne, thank you so much for being on the show today. Where can people find more information about you? You can find me on LinkedIn is generally where I am most days, or you can just contact me. It's just my first and last name at gmail.com. If you want to chat or you just want to hang out, happy to do so. I live in the greater Seattle area. So always happy to hang. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for being on our show today for our listeners. Thanks for listening. Remember, a new episode drops every Wednesday, or at least we try as much as we can to drop a new one every Wednesday. But don't forget to subscribe so you can get an alert of that new episode and give us as many stars as possible and tell your friends and colleagues in marketing about this show. And we'll see you all next week. See ya.